0: Hey there, Braves fans. Welcome to another edition of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. Well, guys, after a maybe low point of the season uh, in Oakland, dropping two out of three to the lowly Oakland A's, the Braves go into Arizona and take two out of three from the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks, when the Braves arrived in Phoenix, actually had the best record in the National League. Uh, The Braves take two out of three from them. And uh, we're starting to feel a little bit better about the Braves. It was not the perfect series by any means. The Braves dropped Game 1 when they probably should have won it. Um, But they also snag Game 3 out of the jaws of defeat um, thanks to an Eddie Rosario Grand Slam. So everything feels a little better when you win a series, even if it's not uh, perfectly played. And especially when you win a series against a very good team. And the Diamondbacks definitely proved in this series... That they are an up-and-coming team. If you guys were able to watch this, Corbin Carroll really impressed uh, both offensively and defensively. They clearly have some good pitchers uh, there, but but the Braves were all, uh, also willing, or sorry, able to get to Zach Gallen, who has been the best pitcher in the National League in the first half, and they were able to beat him in Game Three. Uh, so after losing Game One, and I will say, Ozzie Albie's could not come through in Game One, and that was a Pretty disappointing moment in the ninth inning with Ozzy Albies coming up. Man on third, one out, and unable to get the sack fly uh, to bring him in. And the Braves lost that game. But after game one, the Braves earn a solid 5-2 to two victory behind Spencer Strider and a massive home run from Ronald Acuna Jr. I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. And just generally, that was a little more balanced offensive attack. They only scored five runs, but there were just a lot of good at-bats in that game, and I wonder if things are starting to turn around offensively. It just seemed like a concerted effort for the Braves to go up the middle and the other way a little bit more in that game, and to me, they always hit better when they're doing that and not just pulling off the ball, uh, you know, turning and burn, burning and that sort of thing. So I am getting a little more encouraged about their offensive attack, and then they go into Game 3 and score 8. Now, Game 3 was... Looking like another frustrating defeat. Uh, They come into the ninth inning uh, down and they're able to pull it out with an Eddie Rosario, two out, go ahead, grand slam. So Mm -hmm. Eddie comes through again. Uh, You know, he's not the most consistent player in the world, but he can get hot. And when he's hot, Uh, He can be one of the best hitters on the planet. I mean, it it happens for short short amounts of time, but Eddie Rosario can get hot and when he does, look out. And we've been really waiting for that pretty much all season and it happened in Arizona. So this is really a huge series win against a very good team and it is pretty awesome to beat Zach Gallen, especially in Arizona. It just does not happen very often, guys, that he gets beat in Arizona. I did think that From the very first hitter of the game, he got really frustrated with the umpire, and some close calls did not go his way, and it seemed all game those close calls were not going his way, and I don't know if that's, I mean, it's not like the Braves demolished him. I mean, they only scored three runs off of him, but even three runs off of Gallon in Arizona is a rare thing, and it it let the Braves at the very least stay in the game, and then of course, they end up winning it late. Um... You know, coming into this series, I was hearing a couple different commentators and podcasters talking about it's time to bench Eddie Rosario. And I'll be honest, I I certainly was starting to listen to those those, uh, voices. Uh, Eddie has not been super great this season at any time. And yet, this series, he breaks out. I don't know if he was listening to those guys and it lit a fire under him or if that is just a coincidence. But six hits in this series, including three home runs. Uh, you know, he had two solo home runs, which was the only offense in game one, uh, one into the pool and one the other way. And then, of course, he shows up. He was 0 for 4 going into the ninth inning, and then he hits this huge grand slam to win the game. Uh, it was just awesome. You know, Eddie has. In kind of one series, he started to turn around his season. Uh, he's nearing 500 slugging percentage, which is a, a big deal for anybody who is supposed to be a power hitter, which he he is. He's at a 472 slugging percentage, so that's definitely in much more respectable territory. It's right about the same slugging percentage as Ozzy Albies. It's actually higher than Austin Riley um, by a decent amount. That might also tell you that, Riley's still not there yet, guys. He has been better over the last two weeks, but I'm still looking for him to uh, to start hitting one of those really hot Austin Riley streaks. So that's, that's another issue, but I will just say, Eddie Rosario, man, you could not have picked a better time to show up and start really hitting the ball than you did in Arizona. And like I said, Ozzie Albies also uh, has started to do some things. It was kind of a Jekyll and Hyde series for Ozzy Albies because he, you know, he came out of, uh, he had that big home run in Oakland, which was some of their only offense. And it helped us uh, win that last game of the Oakland series. And he, then he comes into uh, Arizona and he does nothing for the first two games, including that really disappointing at bat in, in the ninth inning of game one. And I, I just already mentioned that to you guys. But then game two, the very first at bat of game two, almost the exact same thing happened to him. He can't get the run in with less than two outs with a runner on third. And, you know, I I will just say Ozzy is not the the most reliable hitter when you just need a situational at bat to get in a run. He's just not, you know, Ozzy is kind of (laughs) like, for lack of a better term, it's kind of like Russian roulette out there. Sometimes uh, great things happen. And he showed that in game three, you know, Uh, but. Oftentimes, he can go up and give you what looks like some of the worst at-bats in big moments. But, you know, I'm not hating on Ozzie Albies because he can also give you some great stuff, and he showed that in Game 3. He goes 4-5 for five in Game 3, all from the left side of the plate, by the way, which he's obviously tends to struggle more from the left side. He had a home run against Zach Gallen. It was one of the early, you know, big moments for the Braves. And so I give him a lot of credit, and hopefully that is a sign of some turnaround. It seemed like he was allowing the the ball to travel a little bit more as well. And like I said, I think that was really something the Braves started doing a really good job of in Game 2. And with Ozzy, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, he he had two base hits the other way from the left side, which he doesn't do very often. And again, that big home run as well against Gallon. So some good things from Ozzy, and hopefully that is going to start turning him around as well. Ronald Acuna, he doesn't need a turnaround. He just continues to dominate the National League. He had that monster home run in Game 2 that traveled 464 feet. And guys, for a a guy who's basically 6 foot and under 200 pounds, to be pretty much the preeminent long ball hitter in baseball is just so remarkable. He doesn't have the most home runs of anybody in baseball, He is an all-around hitter with a high average, but the home runs he hits goes longer than anybody consistently, and you know the numbers bear that out. And he is a remarkable special player, and it's just true. Nobody else plays the game like he does, and I just hope that he continues to do it uh, at this elite level all season. Uh, He continues to steal. He had two more steals in game three. Uh, And, guys, right now, his numbers, he's hitting 331, 12 home runs, 26 stolen bases. Um, And, you know, he is on pace, and this is my math, so sorry if I'm a little off, but he's on pace for 214 hits, 33 home runs, and 71 steals. No one has ever had a 30-60 year. Uh, He could have a 30-70 year. Or if he goes on a home run binge, which we know he's he's capable of doing that, he can even get those home runs to 40. You know he, he's It's still within reason for him to have a 40 home run season. Uh, so we know Acuna is the best player in baseball. Uh, we've known that for a long time. His injuries, maybe some of us forgot how great he was, but he's just reminding us day in, day out. And I think he also made some tweaks uh, when he was – you know, struggling through last season, they say he, he really worked on some, uh, some tweaks to his, uh, his stance, lowering his hands. And, you know, he's hitting 331 as great as we know he's been. He actually has never been this great in terms of, you know, his average. I mean, 331 batting average for Acuna, um, is just kind of next level. And, um, I just, I just appreciate him a lot and hope you guys do too. It's, it's special to see out there. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. So one of the frustrating things or disappointing things about game three was Michael Soroka and his play guys. And, you know, I mentioned to you, I'm a huge fan of Soroka. I'm going to root for him every time out, but he didn't have it. And it might just be a reminder that he's not quite there yet in terms of what he has to do to really fully get back to being a quality starting pitcher in the big leagues. So he goes three and two-thirds innings, gives up five earned runs. And if you watch this game, he was just, you know, he did not have his command. Um, Ball kind of in and out of the strike zone. It almost looks like he doesn't have much of a plan up there, which he probably does. I want to give him credit. I think he probably does, but when you don't have command, it does look a little more random up there. Most of his balls were high. It was kind of belt high or higher, and especially when you're throwing a lot of change-ups and sliders, that's not a good recipe for success. He gave up two home runs. Uh, he allowed four walks in those three and two-thirds innings, and almost everything he gave up was with two outs. He just couldn't get out of innings. So, you know, it's disappointing. And I'm sure Soroka, more than anybody else, is disappointed with his his play. He has high expectations for himself. And if you missed the news, after the game, it was announced that he was being sent back down to Triple I was pretty surprised by that because everything the Braves have said is, our plan is for Soroka to come up. And we want him to be ready, and we don't want him to have to go back down to AAA ever again. And, of course, now he is after just two starts. So clearly, you know, the Braves saw things that were proving to them that he wasn't quite ready. uh, And some of the numbers bear that out. I'm not giving up on Soroka. I know he's not giving up, and I don't think the Braves are giving up on him. But it is just another thing that he's going to have to overcome in this long Struggle back to the big leagues for him. At the same time as he goes down to Triple A, it paves the way for AJ Smith Shawver to probably start uh, this weekend. So if you miss Game Three, AJ Smith Shawver came out of the bullpen to make his debut and really impressed. He goes two and a third innings, no earned runs, three strikeouts, and just one walk. That was the only runner he allowed uh, in his uh, in his. Big League debut. So you just saw, if, if you watched it, an electric fastball. He was in control of that fastball pretty much throughout uh, his outing. The slider wasn't quite as consistent. He did get a couple swings and misses off of it. But the fastball is his bread and butter. And uh, I think if he does get a start, you're going to see some more sliders and probably his third pitch, his curveball a little bit more as well. But I'm excited for this guy. I mean, this is the first time I've really been able to lay, lay eyes on him. And the sky's the limit. If you know his story much at all, he was a highly recruited quarterback out of high school from Texas. And, you know, he joined the baseball team with some of his buddies his junior year just to kind of do it and to hang out with his buddies. And, of course, being a quarterback, everybody knew he could throw a little bit. Well,. Yeah, he could throw. He could throw about 90 plus miles an hour in high school, and you know, of course, the Braves end up drafting him the seventh round. They give him third round money, so he, you know, they're able to sign him instead of him going to. I think he was going to go to Texas A and M to play quarterback. So uh, this guy, he only has basically pitched for about four years. He doesn't have the mileage on his arm that almost everybody else does coming out of high school. Uh, You know, a lot of these pitchers. They start pitching at, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old and have had Tommy John by the time they're 17. And it's just not the case for him. So, fresh arm, but also he's kind of a blank slate, right? The, the Braves have been able to really coach him up. I mentioned this last episode that he has taken to a lot of their coaching. He seems very coachable and has gotten exponentially better in just, you know, one plus years in the Braves organization. So, if this is what he is with, just four years of baseball experience. What is he going to be, you know, two or three years from now? Uh, it's, it's exciting to think about. Uh, I want to pump the brakes a little bit. We've barely seen him. Uh, we've only seen him on one outing. So we don't know what he's going to be able to show. This guy's only 20 years old. So expectations have to be measured. Uh, but it's pretty exciting for the Braves to have another uh, highly touted prospect to come up and potentially give them some really big, uh, a really big lift in. Their starting rotation so we look forward to seeing him in the rotation soon. Uh, one last thing that happened uh, in game three a lot happened in game three in Arizona Marcelo Zuna he, he he never disappoints there's always something going on with Ozuna he almost hit another home run uh, unfortunately he just missed uh, the home run and he didn't run out of the box and what probably should have been at least a double maybe even a triple if he was really booking it out of the box. Ends up only being a single. If you know much about Arizona, uh, that center field is kind of weird. It's basically just a yellow line straight across, and uh, the ball hit just under the yellow line. So he basically jogs to first. Uh, this is in the middle of the game. Snicker ends up pulling him out uh, after that inning, and uh, Sean Murphy ended the game at DH instead. Snicker did talk about the incident later. He kind of he didn't brush it off, but he basically just said, "Yeah, I." when that happens, you know, I've got to pull him out of the game and um, he knew it. He knew he should have done it. And he was disappointed with himself that he didn't run out of the box. So I, I appreciate snicker for holding the line with that sort of thing. I don't know that every manager in baseball would do that. Uh, It might have the potential to wake up the Braves a little bit just in, in just being aware of, Hey guys, it's time to lock things down a little bit more and play at a, another level mentally and I think it's fair to say that the Braves have been a little sloppy with their play at times with their some of their decision making base running mistakes there was a big base running mistake in game one um, that Matt Olson made uh, got thrown out at third base Uh, you know so it's just one of those things that I think could only help the Braves if they're paying attention a little bit so hopefully they are uh, I don't know if it's as big of a deal as maybe some people make it out to be. Uh, it's not surprising to me that it was Ozuna. Um, he's not the most with it guy uh, on the on the diamond sometimes. But nonetheless, uh, I think we've seen it happen to Acuna. We've seen it happen to some guys who really like to stare down their home runs, and then suddenly it doesn't get out. And I wish guys wouldn't do that. Uh, and hopefully it won't happen again for the Braves this season. But now it is time to take on the New York Mets. Guys, this is one reason why this series was so big is you're going into a big divisional series with the Mets and you're playing a little better. You you beat a good team in a in a three-game series in the Diamondbacks. The Mets are not playing their best ball right now. You know, the Braves aren't either, but the Mets definitely aren't. They're 30 and 30 on the season. They're five and five in their last 10, and they just got swept, I believe, by the Blue Jays. So they're definitely searching for some consistency too. I'm sure they're going to be highly motivated, as always, as they enter this series. And the pitching matchups really make it a tough series. I think the Braves really need to take two out of three. Uh, a sweep would be awesome, as always, especially against the Mets. Um, but here the game, uh, here the here the matchups for the pitching for each game. So game one is Carrasco versus Bryce Elder. Game two is Scherzer and Morton. And Game 3 is Verlander versus Strider. So Game 1, I think, really favors the Braves. Carrasco hasn't been all that good this year, and he's had some injury. Uh, Game 2, Scherzer versus Morton. You know, it's just two old veterans going at it, so we'll see how that one goes down. Morton's been pretty good this year, Um, so, you know, hope for some good things there. And then Game 3 is the real matchup. I mean, that's interesting. Verlander, uh, the grizzled veteran uh, flamethrower versus Strider the young flamethrower and um, game three will also be pretty fun to watch. If you guys don't know, the Braves are putting four former Braves all in the booth together in Frank Smoltz Glavin and Chipper Jones. And um, with, with basically no play by play guys. So it will be an interesting watch. And I like that they're doing that. It's, it's cool to hear from all of those former Braves, and I'm sure together it's going to be a pretty fun broadcast, especially with that pitching matchup as well. So a lot to look forward to uh, this week for the Braves, guys. Um, man, I'm glad Eddie Rosario hit that grand slam, and it just makes you feel a whole lot better. Uh, even though you know it's just one swing, it just makes you feel a whole lot better about the Braves and what they did and what was a pretty weird uh, West Coast road trip. Uh, But they come back to Atlanta. They get a day off Monday. They play the Mets Tuesday, and we will certainly all be watching. Guys, I appreciate you listening and uh, watching if you're watching on YouTube. Again, just a reminder, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. I appreciate it, and I just really appreciate you guys and your support, and I'll talk to you later.